This is one-on-one's NHL podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. Back in action on the five on three podcast alongside Jimmy Sullivan and Chris Hennessy. I'm Jack Caldwell here with you, and we've got a lot to talk about on today's podcast. Even though we're only a week or so into the season, there still is a lot going on, some early storylines to follow. We did have our first transaction of the three Metro teams this year. So we'll start with that. It's with the Rangers. It's It appears to be a small transaction, but it could have some big meaning moving forward. The Rangers traded Vlad Nemestikov to the Senators basically for cap space. They retained, I think, seven hundred fifty grand of his $4 million contract. It means their cap space uh, goes to about $4.2 million as opposed to what it was before, which was basically nothing. So even though they're retaining salary, they do get a lot more cap space, which is important. And he was also just a waste of a roster spot because he was doing absolutely nothing with the Rangers. He wasn't going to play either. He was he was a bottom six forward. He was good enough to play, but he wasn't doing anything. And now they can fill his roster spot with a Philip Heedle and or Vitaly Kraftsov, right, who you'd are ra- the future. You'd rather see a Hartford guy in that spot, yeah. I think is what it comes down to, and a Hartford guy is going to be cheaper. So so in the end, this was a pretty easy decision for the Rangers. I'm surprised it happened a week into the season, exactly. as opposed to ju- in July, where they maybe could have used that money. Well, when it first came out, I think everyone was saying, okay, is there a big trade coming up? And then Larry Brooks reported that it was literally the Senators just said, we want him. (laughs) The Rangers did play the Senators last Saturday. The trade happened on Monday, I believe. I think, and honestly, that's a pretty dysfunctional organization. I could totally see the Senators seeing him on the ice, thinking he looked good, knowing that they could pick him up for nothing. Right. And that's what they did. It was like a fourth-round pick, and they... An AHL defenseman named Nick Ebert. Yeah, who's 25 years old and is never going to touch Madison Square Garden ice. So they basically got him for nothing. Good for them. They have the cap space to make it happen. For the Rangers, you're freeing up a roster spot. And that second line has been a bit of an issue thus far this season because they've done absolutely nothing. Uh, the top line, immensely exciting. We could, t- I could talk about it all day. Yeah, you could. No, I, I couldn't. But the, it, it, the bottom six have been pretty good. Leas Anderson's looked really good. Brett Howden has had his ups and downs, but he's been impressive. But Ryan Strom centering the line with Chris Kreider, who's got a lot on the line in terms of a contract, and the Rangers wanting to see what he can do in terms of whether they should re-sign him. And then obviously Capo Caco to his right, who is the most important developmental piece on the team right now, Ryan Strom's not the guy you want. Centering. No, Ryan Strom. Trust me on this one. Is not the guy you want centering your second line. I that that's a big time spot to fill between Kreider and Katko, who are yep. supposed to have big seasons. Especially Kreider, who's in a contract year. You you could get away. Katko could get away with having a, a slow start to this year. Kreider really can't. So that's a big. Those are big shoes for Ryan Strom to fill. Uh, yeah, because if you're the Rangers, you want Kreider to play as well as possible. Well, so you Kreider either get to- maximum trade value. Or you can say, okay, we have a better idea that we want to extend him. Right, Kreider wants to play as well as he can. He's yep. getting paid at the end of the year. Yeah. I, I, Ryan Strom's not the long-term two-center. No. Uh, it, that was Philip Hedel's spot. He lost it because he didn't play well. He played very well in the AHL. So I think it's probably going to come down to Hedel or Anderson. And Anderson only got five minutes of ice time in Game 2, but he played very well in Game 1. So that that's a pivotal spot, that second-center spot. And now that you have Nemestikov out of the way, you probably move Strom down. Not immediately, but we're probably talking two or three weeks from now where Strom moves down to the third or fourth line to the wing. And then you have Hedl, Howden, and Anderson as your three centers. Not in that particular order, probably right. all fighting for who gets the top spot. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's probably what you want to have if you're the Rangers, right? I mean, you traded. I mean, we were talking about, yeah, you know, is, is Nemestikov maybe have a little potential? Yeah. And by the way, I find it funny. I just have to think about it this way, and I have to find it funny that they talk on Saturday, the trade gets done on Monday, and the Senators see him, and they're like, wow, that's our guy. <laughs> Unbelievable. So I could totally see the Senators doing that because they're one of the worst organizations in, in all of <laughs> professional hockey. But, yeah, no, you guys are absolutely right. And, you know, the Rangers have gotten off to an impressive start. They've won both of their games. I mean, the guy for me that, that's blown my mind and been really impressive is Jacob Truba. You know, this yep. is a guy who came Truba over and right Truba and Zibanejad have been both very good. Truba and have been amazing. And those two guys, if they continue to play like this, and, and that's a lot to ask, and I don't think it's going to happen quite like this, but they could both still have really good years. Now you start talking about, are the Rangers a playoff team? Now, that might be a little bit ahead of ourselves here because it's two games against, what, Ottawa and Winnipeg. But, hey, I mean, you you look at it that way and you say, maybe this is a team that's a little better than we thought it was, even if it's not necessarily a playoff team this year. They're definitely building not just for this year but also for the next couple of years, trying to get those guys experience, trying to get Kako off on the right foot, yep. trying to maybe extend Kreider or trade him depending on how he does. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to draw conclusions from two games, one of them being against the Senators, but I do think David Quinn's system is really beneficial to Truba and really all the defensemen. That's going to be something really fun to watch moving forward. But this schedule, we'll get to it in a little bit. It's such a bummer. The Rangers get five days off when they needed it probably the least important time when you need off days. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but I think right now the Rangers' most essential part of the team is that second line. It can't be Ryan Strom at center. It probably will be uh, tonight and through the weekend. Either Greg McKegg or Michael Haley are going to be on the fourth line. Michael Haley. The, Bridgeport Sound Tiger, great. <laughs> filling Nemestikov's <laughs> spot, but I think the Rangers will probably ride Strom for another three games or so, and then start to work Hedl and Kraftsov back into the NHL. But that that's pretty much summarizing up Nemestikov, what that trade meant. I think it's shaped up because if there was another move coming with that cap space, we would have already seen it. Yeah, I think you definitely would have already seen it, especially considering they haven't played in, in three days. And I think that going into this season, David Quinn and all the people above him knew that the 12 forwards they pulled out of camp were not going to be the 12 forwards on the team on November 1st. Mm. And, and we've already seen that, obviously, with the trade of Nemestikov and these guys are going to come up. Hedl and um, Kravstov are both going to come up soon. So I think there's not much to talk about with the Rangers. They've only played that. two games. They've only played, like I said, we're not going to... Stanley di- Cup on. We're not going <laughs> to dive into them playing against the most pathetic organization in hockey, which are the Ottawa Senators. So I think it's time we should move on to Chris's New York Islanders. It's All been right. a bit of an up and down yeah. couple of games. Yeah, it has. I mean... I have been very, very loud in my anti-Semyon Varlamov takes. Um, I wonder why that is. Oh, really, Jim? (laughs) Um, He wasn't horrible. He was not good on Tuesday night, Jim. They played Edmonton. They let up four goals to the real deal, James Neal, who may actually be the real deal again. Um, No, but he he did not look good at all on Tuesday night. He didn't look great against Washington. He looked fine. But Thomas Grice was outstanding against Winnipeg. And Winnipeg... They had a little bit of a rough trip out east. They went 2-2. Two and two. They, One of the games they won, New Jersey just absolutely choked away to them. And then they, they went out and beat Pittsburgh uh, the other night, but they lost to the Rangers and the Islanders. But Yeah, but they beat a beat-up, a, a banged-up Pittsburgh team, and then they beat a Devils yeah, team that the they should have lost choked to. it away. It the was Devils just, just Mackenzie Blackwood twenty one minutes on. We'll game. talk about that with Jimmy. But Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah but I, for the Islanders, I mean, Tuesday night was bad. 
the, there have been reports coming out of the locker room that they're already calling Friday night against Carolina a must-win game because of how bad they looked on Tuesday. Which, look, I think that signals good things about the coaching, which we have obviously 85 games into Barry Trotz's career. We have had nothing to expect but good coaching. And he's already getting on his guys in October for a bad game. And they looked bad on Tuesday night, uh, really bad, especially the offense. Derek Broussard ended up taking shifts in the third period with Anders Lee and Jordan Eberle, which um, you definitely didn't see coming this early in the season. So uh, a lot to fix. Uh, that, that Varlamov contract, man, three games in, four years, $20 million is a uh, – it's something else. That could become Lamarillo's legacy, honestly, Dude, I, in many I senses, can't. because a lot of – they built a great team last year, but in terms of long term, okay, he had been there for five minutes. Exactly, that wasn't that wasn't necessarily him. And in terms <laughs> he got of the, Robert Leonard, he got ter- Robert Leonard. Who in terms of the long term effects on the Islanders, this is his most strong long term effect besides the guys he resigned. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, and it's it's a bad contract, and the reason the the reason we were all given for this contract was he is friends with Ilya Sorokin who is the Russian goaltender who the Islanders have as a prospect, and they have the same agent, and that's going to help Sorokin come over. Well, you know what? It's possible Sorokin never comes over. It's possible he plays in the KHL for the rest of his life because the Islanders have a tendency to do that, to get guys from Russia who never play on the Islanders. It's happened many times before. And if if Ilya Sorokin never plays a game for the New York Islanders, which you have to realize is possible, this is an awful, awful, awful contract. It's an awful contract if he plays a game for the Islanders, too. I, I don't like, I've never liked the contract. Varlamov looked terrible against... Um, Edmonton, I think that Grice should play again on Friday against Carolina. He's earned that. Now, they play on Saturday against Florida at home. So that means Varlamov is going to have to play in that game. So, uh, man, it's not good. It's uh, it's three games into the season, so I'll, I'll lay off everybody but else a little bit. This is the big bit. weekend, though. you got Friday, Saturday, you got Friday, and, then, Saturday and then Monday afternoon. It's Monday almost kind of like three days in a row because right. you get Sunday Grice off, is, but then you're early on Monday. And, and Grice has to play two of those games. He has to. Yeah. He has to, has to, has to. Varlamov cannot be the one goalie choice. Grice has to be. Uh, why Varlamov got game one, I do not know. Can we talk about how they're calling it a game win at, like, game four of Must 82? win game? Yeah. Because that, I, I don't well, think... the Metro is also wide open now that Pittsburgh has all these long-term injuries. I think if you're the Islanders or the Re- any team in the Metro, you want to get a leg up. The yeah, only team that I think do, is a guarantee but, but is the Capitals. So early, though. I it, mean, no, I, it's obviously You don't want to burn yourself out. No, I, I don't think they're necessarily trying to burn themselves out. I think it's more of a perceptive yeah, standpoint. Yeah, it's more of a perceptive yeah. standpoint. And they're also playing against Carolina, who's 4-0, and they're a really good team, and they're a team who, uh, may I swept remind you, them. swept them out of the playoffs last year. So Thank you for doing that. I was going to do it. <laughs> Chris's <laughs> look of despair in Game 2, which we watched in person. Yes, Jack and I were sitting <laughs> yeah. next to each other in the Barclays Center during Game 2, and that was... That was a tough one. That was a Sunday Uh, game, right? That was like an afternoon game on NBC. It was an afternoon game for sure. Was it a Sunday? (laughs) It was a Sunday afternoon at like 1 o'clock. It was an afternoon game for sure. Uh, I I thought an interesting thing with the Isles, I I read a couple articles about it this week, about the the changing that they've done on some of their lines. So the first line is obviously the same with Lee Barzal, Everly, and then they basically flipped Alcole and, and Bailey. On that second line, I thought yeah. that was kind of interesting. Josh Bailey's I mean, playing his offside this year, which I didn't really even realize until I read that article as well. Uh, yeah. That he's playing his offside. So that's been an adjustment played. period. As that's well. been an adjustment period, but also Josh Bailey's playing with Michael Dalcole, who um yeah. isn't good. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah. so he was invisible on Tuesday night, and it from the looks of what happened in practice today, uh, Dalcole's going to get benched on Friday night and not going to play. And Tom Kunakal is going to play instead, which, I mean, you have to you have to agree with it. He was terrible, dude. He was awful. He, I think, in like on the ice, he had no shots in one hit. 
and like did nothing offensively. He was invisible the entire night. And I got to see Dal Cole's first goal last year. Against, against Calgary, that's no, right. No, it was against the Devils. Oh, the Devils? Yeah, it was okay. a January game. Okay, yeah. interesting. Um, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, but <laughs> he was invisible. He is not a top six forward in the NHL, um, and neither is Tom Kunakle. I'm not saying he is, and I'm not really sure Josh Hosang is either. And as I've said a million times, they don't have another top six forward in their system, and they need to go get one. But it's just me talking to a brick wall at this point, so let's go on to the Devils. So... Speaking of Jimmy's Devils, it's uh, <laughs> ugh, I'm a rough. Ranger fan. I just covered the Devils on the side. <laughs> Fair enough. That's true. You have said that, right? Yes. That if you had to pick a team, yes, you would pick the Rangers. It's the Rangers. So if they get to the playoffs, then I'll be like blasting the victory <laughs> song in the garage. Yeah. But I guess you would be our Devils guy. It's been a little rough. Yeah, it hasn't been a great start. I mean, when you when you lose when you're up four nil in game one. You know, whatever it was, midway through the third period. You, no, you, with a minute left in the second. Yeah. So it's the 21 in 21 That was game one. I mean, the rock was rocking. Yeah. It, look, Did I, you say I scored a goal? They look great. The, when it was 4 nothing, it looked like it was about to implode. It was. It looked so electric. Yeah. And then it just fell apart. And then you look at that team because they have the pieces, right? If, if you have Taylor Hall healthy for a full season, he's a really good player. The last full season he played, he won the Hart Trophy, for God's sake. Yep. You got P.K. Subban in a trade who is a really solid player. Nikita Gustav is kind of like the mystery man of the NHL at this point, but he scores a goal in that first game. Everything's going right. They're holding Winnipeg scoreless, and then, <laughs> then the floodgates open up. But it wasn't just that. Not only do they lose that game, they lose Saturday night eight two to Buffalo, which which by the way you knew was going to happen, but I don't think you knew eight two was going to happen. They also only put twenty shots toward Carter Hutton. Like you're not gonna <laughs> like you're not gonna score nine goals, which is apparently what you need to be the but was it seven or eight was it seven two or eight two? Uh look, I think it was eight. Whatever it was, they needed a ton of goals to beat the Buffalo Sabres, which is never is not a good omen on your defense. It was it was seven. You're seven, right, so they yeah. need eight goals and they only put twenty shots on Carter Hutton. I mean that's not that's not gonna win you a hockey game. No, it's not. And then, then you go out and you lay another egg to the Flyers for nothing. for nothing. I mean, this is a team where it's gotten to the point now, and, and and I have read stuff to substantiate this as well. You have to start thinking about John Hines on the hot seat. We uh, talked about that last year. I think it's kind of wild to think about it like that, but you really do. And there were some whispers about it last year, but he had just led them to the playoffs. I didn't think they were going to do that a year after, and sure enough, they decided to bring him back, but... Ray Shiro's got to start thinking about he that got a at this point because didn't he? yeah, he did. Yeah, three he did. years, he did. But you could, I mean, you could avoid that. I mean, oh, obviously, yes, yeah, easily. So they got to start thinking about that. Maybe not necessarily in season, but I mean, this is embarrassing. This is really just embarrassing. I no, mean, you, you, you're up four nothing. You win that game. Teams don't lose when they're up four nothing. They shouldn't. They shouldn't. But except the Devils do. And, and I, the goaltending was always going to be a question, and it hasn't been good. Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, I know, is still young. But in in the one the one game he played was the Winnipeg game. Oh no, excuse me, was the um he played part of the Winnipeg game, then got pulled, and then he played in the Buffalo game. So he has nine goals allowed, a six point five goals against average, and an eighty save percentage through a game and a half pretty much. Uh which isn't what you want. So the goaltending is always gonna be a question with the Devils and they got good goaltending in twenty seventeen and that's why they went to the that's part of the reason they went to the playoffs. Obviously they also went to the playoffs because the most valuable player in the NHL. Um, but it's not good right now, and and also like you're if you don't have Blackwood, you're counting on uh, Corey Schneider, well into his thirties, coming off major hip surgery. Right. That's that's just not going to happen. It's I mean, not. that's too much to ask Corey Schneider at this point. I mean, he is a part-time goalie at most. Yeah, they needed to improve their goaltending, and they just didn't. Yeah. 
That was the whole thing that we were talking about before the season, that if Corey Schneider is Corey Schneider, this team can go places, but he's not, and it really was irrational to think he would be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was he was terrible last year. I mean, he <laughs> he he had some games where it, it was just brutal, and there was one game I covered, they, they were playing Vegas. He gave up three in like ten minutes. They pulled him for Kincaid. Yeah, that was they, the they game got like that a we standing were ovation. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. And he got like a standing ovation for pulling... Corey Schneider. They did that to Varlamov the other night. Yeah. Too. They get a huge sarcastic applause down 4-1 in the second period when Samuel Varlamov comes out of the game. Yeah, but it's, it's yeah, I mean, you can't, but that's too much to ask Corey Schneider, right? Look at the goalies who have had that type of surgery. How many have come back? Not How many, many have had that type of surgery? Yeah, well, that's the other it thing, It sounded too. like a pretty serious hip injury. Now, I'm not a that doctor, too, but, but it I mean, sounded pretty serious. <laughs> so much of goaltending yeah. is mental, though. Yes, Once you have the physical skill and talent, to be an NHL-level goaltender, what puts some of the best guys over the edge is the mental toughness factor. And when you're banged up and go through the adversity he has, I don't. it's really hard to get that mental sharpness back. Yeah, goaltending is a tough position to come back from injury from, also because you're getting pummeled with rubber hockey pucks. Yeah, it's pucks. physically painful. It's physically painful. You have all this padding on, which as for as long as you do it, you're never going to be you know, used to moving around with that much padding. So it it's going to be... It's going to be a little bit of uh, a tough sledding for Corey Schneider if he can't get himself healthy. But I think what this proved is that that run a couple years ago was really a one-off because Taylor Hall had the season of his life. Not to say that he can't do it again, but that was an unbelievable season from him. They won a lot of close games that year. They were tough. They were physical. But they needed to get out, go out and really get reinforcements last year to try to build off that 2017-18 team. That didn't really happen. It didn't work out for them like they thought it would. And now coming into this year, they thought that getting a guy like P.K. Subban or, or Nikita Gusev adding him to their team would, would help them, would be enough to put them over the edge. But when you get outscored 11-2 to over the span of two games, Wayne Gretzky's not going to fix that. Like, he's <laughs> right. not walking through that door. So at this point, it's just like, okay, they're going to ride it out. they got to turn it around quick. Um, full disclosure, I picked them to go to the playoffs. <laughs> Stupid me. <laughs> I think I'm going to be wrong on that one. It's only three games. Weird, only three weirder games. things have happened, but it doesn't look good. All right, let's move on. And we're going to talk about something that I think the NHL has to really look at. It's more serious than I think people are taking it, and that's the scheduling. And just to give you an example, and this is across the board in the beginning of the season, the Rangers played on last Thursday and last Saturday then have a full week off, not an official bye week. It just happens that they have seven full days off, play at home against Edmonton, and then have another five days off before Ooh, they have wait, a back-to-back. There's, there's, an, there's another there's break another after Edmonton? There's another five days yeah. after Edmonton. Wow, I did not know before that. Before they have then a back-to-back. I feel now, like- if you go to January, they have a week-and-a-half California swing, and then they play in Anaheim on a Saturday night. Then at home on Monday, they have one day to go from a full California trip back to New York and play against Nashville, who's a tough team. In February, they go on their Western Canadian swing, come back. They only have two nights off to get ready for to play in New York. At the same time, I think you also have to look at the fact that, and I, was, I said this a lot last year, the Stanley Cup Finals should not be paired with the NBA Finals. Most people are going to choose, casual audiences are going to choose the NBA Finals over the Stanley Cup Finals. Now, would casual audiences choose a Stanley Cup Final game over a conference final game in the NBA? 
I think they very well could. And that's only a week or two difference from what it is now. Why don't they... This is across the board where you have teams the first two, three weeks of the season getting way too many weird days off. Why don't they pull the whole thing back a week? Eliminate two or three of these days off. You can pull the entire season back a week and then you won't have Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final competing with Game 5 of the NBA Finals, which is always going to lose. First off, it's because you're going to be competing with more football, which they don't want to do. But I get your point. And but it's the it, weeknight. This ha- I know. And this happens, <laughs> They're playing on the weekends. This happens every year at the beginning of the season. For some reason, they just like don't bring enough West, Western Conference teams out east to play the Islanders or the Rangers, and somebody gets four days off. And I, hockey's always going to get the short end of the stick in terms of the NBA. That's just the way it goes. I, I've come to accept it at this point that... More I've accepted are, it, but you can more do people are going to watch. You, more people are going to watch Raptors, Warriors than Blues, Bruins. And yes, they're wrong. I'll agree with you, but <laughs> more people are going to watch it. Now, in terms of the October schedule, I'll agree with you. The worst time for the Rangers to play one game in twelve days is between October fourth and October sixteenth. I will agree with you on that. But even if you're not moving the season back, give me two or three of those off days in February. Exactly. When, yes. When these guys are hurt and banged up, and the quality of hockey goes down, and they're begging for that bye week at the All Star game, and the NHL scratching their heads, why? Because you're not giving them enough off time because you gave it to all of them when they actually wanted to play. Right. But the other thing is, this isn't every team. This it's it's a couple teams every year, and this year it happens to be the Rangers who this happens to. And yeah, they should be playing more games in October. I'll agree with you there. And then it's it it always fascinates me how the schedule picks up in January. And then like somebody will like they'll play three games in four days, two weeks in a row, or two out of three weeks. And it's just like, what are we doing here? I it doesn't make too much sense for me. They should play more games in October. And I don't know the reason that they don't, but I have a feeling the reason is the NFL. And I know that they only, the NFL only plays three days a week, but the NFL is the NFL. I have a feeling that's the reason, but I can't actually tell you why. Uh, you know what though. And this is no offense to the sport of hockey. I don't think the NHL is in a position right now to sit there and say, "Oh, we don't, 100%. we don't want to compete against the NFL." You you can barely compete against Grey's Anatomy at this point. Okay, like it's true the they get bumped off there. NBC for yeah they got dramas. bumped off NBC they, for American Ninja Warrior. No, it was it was a Chicago Fire. Oh, Stan, game, me. game three of the Stanley Cup Final got bumped off of NBC for Chicago. Fire. It was a rerun, I think, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the season must the season of TV must ended like two weeks before. But yeah, yeah, I mean that just makes no sense to me. But but uh, you know the the most direct comparison schedule wise is the NBA, right? And right. and I feel like this doesn't happen in the NBA. Yeah, like yes, teams have because the pregnant NBA, pauses because the NBA I feel like doesn't smart. The NBA is also a less taxing sport. I feel like and the NBA can fill an arena any night of the week. Yes, the NBA can fill any arena in basketball any night of the week. That's what because the, the NBA I, is the second most popular sport in America. But I mean, I honestly think hockey fills arenas. No, I, I don't. I don't no, think it's don't. A, hockey don't arenas think it's fill more to capacity than NBA arenas. Do if they you really? look at the numbers. I don't yeah. think it's an attendance problem. I think it's a viewership problem. I think it's yeah, it's television. It's not in the arena. If you look at the numbers, NHL arenas in terms of capacity actually sell in there's terms been, of the price for ticket and the capacity are more in demand than NBA there, tickets. There's been the less, viewership is way down. There's been less than 10,000 people at the Coliseum each of the last two nights. Yeah, the, and the Islanders are literally last in the league. Or yeah. The bottom well, yeah, three because there's only 13,000 seats in the arena, it's, so they can only it's get like so many It's like 18 people. of the 31 teams have at least 100%. All right. So I don't yeah, think but, it's I mean, an you arena. You put a hockey game anywhere, 15,000 people are going to show up. Yeah. Except I don't know. Except, except Uniondale. I don't know. <laughs> Where there's I, only 13,000 Right, there's only 13,000 seats. I... I I want you to be right, Jimmy, because I love hockey, but I don't know, man. I I just think it's not it's never gonna be a popular sport in America. I just think that's the reality that they've come to and they're just like whatever we can do to up the numbers. Now, I think one of the things you could do to up the numbers is 
pub Wednesday night hockey more and get good games on Wednesday night hockey. Put it on NBC. Yeah, thank you. They're not going to put it on NBC. That's just not going to happen. Well, they're then not... sign a deal with ESPN when the they're... contract's up in a year or two, which they're already talking about. Wednesday night or Sunday night hockey used to be a thing on right. ESPN. It replaced Sunday night baseball. Oh, but even but here's the thing, right? It's not necessarily a problem that it's on cable because the NBA is on cable. The NBA is on TNT and ESPN and and NBA yeah, but there's TV a difference between ESPN and TNT and. NBC Sports. Yeah, right, like, you know, in between, you know, episodes of, like, NASCAR America or yeah, whatever right. it is. Like, yeah, no, like... Super bass fishing. <laughs> yeah, super bass And nobody fishing. just stumbles into NBC Sports. <laughs> right. People have right. ESPN and I don't TNT know on. what channel it is. I have to look it up. Yeah. And I've had the same cable provider for, like, 10 years, and I... <laughs> it's, it's... I don't know. I... Chris it's and I have talked about that a lot. We talk about that all the time. <laughs> that and they've are, there's already reports that the NHL has reached out to Fox and ESPN about getting more prominent airtime. But even FS1 would be better than NBC. I don't think it would. I think you're wrong on that. But they but put the baseball playoffs on FS1. People do. are watching those. They do. They do. Yeah, but people still complain about FS1 and baseball. I've, I complain about that too. Yeah, I and think... that's fair. But it's it's a better. Nobody has NBCSN. At least some people have <laughs> yeah. FS1. Yeah, <laughs> and. I also think it's a matter of the games they're putting on the channel. Like, let's lay off the channel for a second. The games they put on the channel are not good. They had Devils, Flyers, and Canucks, Kings as the doubleheader last night. Are you kidding me? I like it's the sec- it's the second Wednesday of the season. Can we at least can we at least get a good game? Like what like what are we doing here? Canucks, Kings. Like the like the first night was great. It was Blues against Washington, which was a great game. Went to overtime, and then it was Sharks Knights, which was a which the Knights won handily. But I I don't know. Look, I just think the NHL needs to figure out this scheduling issue. Even if you're saying, okay, we'll give up the war against the NBA or the NFL or whatever. They've given up the war. That's and a, I, I'm not even going to call it a war. It's not about overcoming them. It's just about getting more eyeballs. And I'm, I'm telling you that if the Stanley Cup final, no matter what channel it's on, was competing against a conference final or second round NBA game rather than the finals, they would get more ominous eyeballs. That being said, if you're going to keep the schedule as it is in terms of timing, give me these off days later on in the year. 100% agree. 100% agree. Now, they do have not now both the Islanders and the Rangers and the Devils too, or all the teams have 9 days off in a row in January. Yeah, the bye week is fine around the All-Star game right, because I, then I, you get more guys to play in the All-Star game yep, and that's good. Yep, I I like the I, I like the All-Star game attached to the bye week even though it's 9 days without the Islanders. It, it it's obviously great for the players and they all love it, so they're not going to take that away. But yeah, I would agree. I mean, like, give it, give us a couple more travels. Give the players a couple more travel days in March, and and let's let's watch some hockey in October because five days without 12, one game in twelve days for the Rangers is a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, I mean that's that's it, no, it's it's pathetic. I mean, it shouldn't happen. It sh- it should not happen. It doesn't even happen on the bye week. The weeknight the weeknights are easy because you're telling if they're not, it can't be a football thing because the Rangers play Saturday afternoon college football. Then they play next Thursday night. So Thursday night. Thursday night football. But you could say that about anything. I mean, you could say that for the month of October, everything's going on. Yeah. So right. you could you're competing you can against put the World Series and baseball you're playoffs. You're going up too. against baseball. You're going up against football. You're going up against college football. So don't even so worry about no the competition. Just, no play. Just play. Just play. That's NBA, all I'm asking. The NBA starts in thirteen or twelve days now, and that Tuesday night, people are watching. People by and large are going to watch the NBA. It's just the fact of the matter. There's nothing yeah. you can do about it. So don't worry about it. Just play because I was in the swing of the Rangers season. Two great games. I got to wait a week to see them play Edmonton and then another five days to wait for them to play New Jersey. And now you got to deal with the sharpshooter James Neal. 
We all know about James Neal and yeah. Edmonton Oilers. Real deal. For, he is the real deal. Four goals at the Nassau Coliseum the other night. So I think that's about all we've got for you today. For Jimmy Sullivan, Chris Hennessy, I'm Jack Caldwell on this latest edition of Five on Three.